0: So uh, I'm excited to get into the words tonight. Uh, My name is Damaris Taylor, and I am uh, the pastoral resident here at Mission Hills. And so we are continuing on in a message series that we are calling The Movement is On, what we mean when we talk about salvation. And so salvation is not this one-time event, it is progressive Uh, And so we're going to be thinking through that, talking about that tonight. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking through things like the movement to follow, the movement to surrender, and the movement of reorientation. Uh, But tonight, or today rather, we're going to consider uh, the movement to sacrifice. The movement to sacrifice. And so if you have your Bible uh, or your phone or tablet or something like that, We're going to be reading out of Mark chapter 8, verses 31 through 38, verses 31 through 38 in Mark chapter 8. And it reads like this, then he began to teach them that it was necessary for the son of man to suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes be killed and rise after three days. And he spoke openly about this. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. You are not thinking about God's concerns, but human concerns. Verse 34, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his his life what can anyone give in exchange for his life for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels let's pray dear god we ask that you would visit us by the power of your holy spirit that you would illuminate the truth of your word, that you would apply it to our hearts, that you would open our minds so that we might be able to understand, to comprehend the fullness of the good news that is encapsulated in the verses we just read. Lord, I pray that you would give us an unction, Lord, to want to follow in after you. And yes, even to sacrifice, put our lives before you and follow you. And so, Lord, in this few moments that we have together, speak to us and do the work that only you can do. The transformative, redemptive, restorative work that we need you to do. And we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. So in February 1941 two years into the Second World War, there was a Polish Franciscan friar named Maximilian Kolbe. And Maximilian Kolbe was um, a dedicated man who served the Lord his whole life. And his life was cut short after he was arrested by the Gestapo and taken to the death camp of Auschwitz. And he went to Auschwitz, and while he was there, he served the people as best he could. He prayed for them. He encouraged them with the word. He encouraged them to look to Jesus, even in the darkest hours of their life. And while he continued his priestly duties, one day, about 10 individuals in the camp successfully escaped from Auschwitz. And so the guards there got frustrated and got upset, and so in order to deter any further attempts at escaping this horrific place, they decided to choose ten individuals at random to be executed. And as they chose these ten individuals, one man cried out in particular, he said, please, please spare me, I have a wife and I have children, and Maximilian hadn't been chosen, but he overheard this man cry out. And in the best way that I can think of, he decided to sacrifice his life. He went and said, I'll take this man, this stranger's place. And so Maximilian's sacrifice saved the stranger that day. And the sacrifice of the Savior, our Savior, Jesus Christ, has and will save you and me but i want to look at verse 31 to see how jesus describes his sacrifice for our salvation 31 says verse 31 says then he began to teach now jesus beginning to teach here why it's significant and why i pause there is because when we see him talking about teaching, it's because he's about to uh, share something new, something that the disciples had not yet heard. And so he pauses to teach them, and he says to them that it was necessary for the Son of Man to suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. Now that term, Son of Man, It's a title that's used about 88 times in the New Testament. And it's used many times to refer to Jesus and specifically his suffering. But it's a title of humanity. It's a title of humility. It's a title of divinity. And so when he refers to himself as the son of man, we should listen in because he's calling himself God and he says that he would be rejected he would be rejected by those of the religious ruling class those chief priests those elders and those scribes or the the the, the PhDs of religion of that day and he goes on to say but not only would he be rejected but that he would suffer he would be killed This is the first time in the instance of three other times where Jesus predicts that he is going to die, that he is going to suffer. But not only will he die, but he will be resurrected. And so we find that here in verse 31, because Jesus is foretelling of his suffering. In verse 32, he goes on. He spoke openly about this. He wasn't trying to hide it. And then Peter, Peter, who had just confessed him, Jesus, confessed Jesus as the Messiah in verse 29 in chapter uh, eight, who, when Jesus said, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Messiah. You are the anointed one of Israel. You are the one who has come to deliver us, to set us free, to save us. But Peter rebukes him. Now, rebuke is not a phrase that we use many times today but it just means it's a sharp criticism of someone. It's a a hard pushback against them and what they may have said or what they may have done. And so Peter pulled him to the side and begins to rebuke him. But Jesus, as he's walking along, I imagine in my mind, he stops, he turns around to the disciples and he says to Peter, I can almost see Jesus being a little sassy, if you will, putting his finger up in his face. And saying, Satan, get behind me. Now, when I read that or get get thee in the old English, get thee behind me, Satan. I, I almost imagine Peter being astonished that Jesus has just called him Satan. But what is happening here is Jesus is saying that, Peter, you have aligned yourself with Satan and Satan's attempts to try to stop or distort the will of God. And so he calls out Peter and he says, Peter, you are not thinking, you are not considering the things of God, but you are considering human things. If you're anything like me, then you may have found yourself considering human things more than the things of God. I know I have many times had my mind so set on what I wanted, what I needed, but I missed out on what God had in store. And so Peter, with his audacity and his unmitigated gall, had tried to rebuke Jesus for doing what Jesus was called to do, which was to be rejected to suffer, to die, but to be resurrected. But why was Peter so set on stopping Jesus from suffering, from being sacrificed, from being murdered or executed or being killed? Why was he so set on that? Well, Peter was a zealot. Zealots were part of a political um, movement, if you will, that wanted to stop the oppression of Rome on the Jews and so he foresaw in his mind Peter did he saw Jesus as as the one who through political and military might would triumph over the Romans and set the people of God the Jews free but Jesus is basically telling Peter you have it twisted you got it wrong brother And I want to correct you. And so he says, deliverance and salvation will not come through any means of military might, but through me laying down my life. It is the sacrifice of the Savior that saves. In fact, if you go two chapters ahead in Mark, Mark chapter 10, verse 45, it says, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So when we think about verses 31 through 33, I would like for you to just tag that, the sacrifice of the Savior. Now, when we look at verse 34, it says, Calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. If I had to put a tag on this verse and on the following verses, I would say that this is a call from Jesus to sacrifice the self. We have the sacrifice of Jesus, but now we have the sacrifice of the self. Now, when I hear that, it makes me uncomfortable because I think about denial. I I don't like to deny myself much. That's true for many people, right? That we, we want what we want. We like our comforts. We, we like our food, uh, right? We, we like what we like. But there is a call from Jesus to deny. He says that if you're going to follow after me, you must deny yourself. But one scholar says this. He says to deny oneself is not to do without something or even many things. It is not self-rejection, it is not self-hatred, nor is it even the disowning of particular sins, but it is to renounce the self as the dominant element in life. So what does that mean? To renounce the self. It means that you choose not to be the king or queen of your life. It means that you choose to make Jesus the ultimate priority, that he has ultimate supremacy over your life. And that's what it means to deny yourself. But then he says, take up his cross. For first century hearers, the cross conjured images of shame, of pain, of execution, for them, when they knew that someone was going to be executed on a cross, they thought about them being beaten, them being stripped naked, them being humiliated as they walked with a cross beam and their hands attached to it through the streets as they went to their place to be lifted up in the ground. And so when they heard that, they thought, Jesus, you, you, you really want me to be executed on the sake, for your sake, on your name? They may have thought that you really want me to die and to deny myself. And yes, he said that if you are going to come after me, it may mean the death of you. Literally, it may mean the death of things that you desire. And so the best way I know to help us think about denial of the self and to take up our cross is to submit to a life orientation where the Lord's plan is your plan, where the Lord's plan is your plan. Verses 35 and through 37 go together in my mind. And it says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? Jesus in these verses is just drilling down on the fact that if you're going to follow me, it's going to mean a loss, a loss. But at the same time that there is a loss, an extraordinary loss of your will to his will of your potential life uh, up for his sake, it also could be the extraordinary gain that you have in him. And so Jesus, although he calls you to give up all things, to give up your life, it will be, he says, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will what? Save it. Will save it. And that's powerful. But verse 37, what can anyone give in exchange for his life? Nothing, nothing. But Jesus says that he has come to give his life in exchange for all lives. And verse 38, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the son of man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angel. So Jesus shifts here. He shifts to talking about the end of times. It's this judgment imagery. When the son of man will come, he says, with the glory of the father and the holy angels. And he says that if you are ashamed of me amongst, in front of the elders, in front of the scribes, in front of the chief priests, in front of anyone who, who, who doesn't want to go along and follow after me. He says, then I will be ashamed of you, that's stirring to me. To think that in our lives, in the present day, here in America, that if we have somehow uh, chosen to to be ashamed and to not exhort the name of Jesus, lift up the name of Jesus among other people and individuals, that the Lord says that He will be ashamed of us. But again, he's calling us to a sacrifice of the self as he has sacrificed himself. And to wrap up, I want us to think about this, that Jesus is offering us new life. He's offering us a life that is not weighed down by our own desires, because many times we think that our desires are good, but I am reminded that all of us have, been, have fallen short of the glory of God. I am reminded that even our best deeds are like filthy rags and that somehow he will exchange with us the things, our filthy rags, for his goodness. He will take on our condemnation and give us his righteousness. And so Jesus is offering us through our sacrifice new life. I want to have a moment of reflective prayer with you. And so I ask for you to close your eyes. And I just want to lead you through this time for you to pray. For you to consider what you need to give up, what you need to deny. And so I want to invite you to, Ask the Lord to maybe bring an image to your mind, bring a thought to your mind of what you need to release, what you need to sacrifice for His sake, for His glory. And now I would like you to ask the Lord. What would he like to give you to replace what you are sacrificing? What you are giving up? Ask him maybe to show you an image. To give you a word, to give you a scripture. Something that you can hold on to as you deny yourself, take up your cross and follow after him. God, you know we are imperfect creatures. And God, we want what we want, and we know that sacrifice is hard for us. But Lord, we ask that in this moment, I ask in this moment, as people agree to give up, to sacrifice for this, for your name's sake, for your glory, that you would satisfy them with yourself. And so that what extraordinary loss they may have, they will also receive an extraordinary gain. Pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.